Neat Stuff Podcast, Episode 13. Welcome to the Neat Stuff Podcast. My name is Devin. And I'm Tyson. And we're back for another week of Neat Stuff. Um, So we're going to get right into it. Uh, What have you been up to, Tyson? Well, um, for the last couple of months, I've been running a Minecraft server. And we've been having a bunch of people pop in who honestly don't know what, you know, I don't know how they're getting there. I mean, I'm not publicizing it, but I thought... It would be nice to put together an intro YouTube video of it. So I've been looking into, I've been recording some uh, bits and trying to figure out how to edit them all together and get them up onto YouTube. Sounds like a lot of fun. Uh, well, well, I have been looking more and more at Artemis and trying to figure out the scripting language. And I realized that without a dedicated crew of people to help me figure it out, that's not going to happen anytime <laughs> soon. So... Uh, I think I'm just going to start trolling uh, other people's missions for us to go out and play and maybe set up just, you know, a constant arena of ships constantly spawning. But it's, cool. I'm hoping that the um, I'm hoping that the that the community gets to get gets together a better scripting uh, language sort of documentation so I can actually figure out what the heck I'm doing. Um what what's interesting about Artemis is that it's now up to 1.66 and one of the new features it added is custom outputs. So what what that means is that you can get a about a $60 DMX box, which we'll talk about in a moment, and you can have it control lighting for when certain events happen on your ship. So when your shields go up, you take damage, you know, when red alert happens, that kind of stuff, hmm. you can have that correspond to lighting. So if you want to have mood lighting or if you want to do a video production, it's really be- Artemis is really becoming kind of your bridge simulator um, sort of video uh, event programming funness. Cool. So, so yeah. Um, and that brings us into our first neat thing, which is actually a cool thing that exists out there in the universe. It is the DMX 512 standard. Uh, this is the way that perf- that theater groups and live events, you know, your music events and um, and and now video games apparently are could do lighting control. Uh, it it's a very simple uh, it's a very simple serial communication standard that is really inexpensive to for manufacturers to add into their products, so it doesn't take a whole lot to get it. Uh, most of the cost of the DMX controllers are the the actual device itself, all the input controls, so the faders and the and the housing and the equipment itself. Um, because you can get DMX boxes for your computer for about a hundred bucks, and that plugs in using USB, and you can hook that up to really powerful lighting control software, and you can use that to control up to 32 dimmer boxes, which will control your lights. It's what we use for KomoriCon to make sure that we can control the lighting back from this control booth. And it's a really cool thing. So if you're into lighting or you're into production, you really got to understand how DMX works and what it can do because it is wicked powerful. 
Very cool. So, so you can have you know analog controls all in one place and just really control a lot of mechanisms together. Yeah, that instead of having someone in back with a with a little knob on the power going to the light, you can have that all controlled from a central location, and it gives you the cool little faders, which are you know the Star Trek <laughs> slide up, yeah. light, slide down, light, slide up, light, Very slide cool. down, and you can do all that. Or you can have software which you program everything in. You have audio, you know, like an audio track, and it automatically has the cues in it. So you hit play, and it'll automatically switch all the lights up. So you can program your your show really easily and dmx is just that interface that allows you to you know that piece that allows you to then control the lights very cool yeah i've seen it before in light booths and sound booths and whatnot uh for stages that i've uh i've worked uh backstage at a couple of stage performance and i've seen them used there very cool and it looks like it's coming down in price uh looks like you can get a usb dmx box for like less than 100 bucks now yeah um, what's cool about it is that it uses XLR cable. So the microphone cable that you already have, um, it's not the spec cable. They're supposed, there's a special extra shielded cable, but you can get away with using XLR. Cool. It's not a big deal. Well, talking about, uh, recording things and controlling things cheaply, I've run a, uh, in my quest to record Minecraft video, I ran across this program called High Cam 2 by, uh, Hyperionics. Uh, it's a screen recorder. Uh, I've been using it to mark off an area of the screen. They have a really nice little one-click solution where you just select the window that you want, and then anything that's in that place on the screen, it'll record. Um, it's free, but it is kind of dodgy. It, it only records to an audio source, and it doesn't have a whole lot of options for video encoding while you uh, pull down the video. Um, but, you know... It does give you raw AVI files for you to import into other applications. And yeah, it works good. And it's a good intro screen capture software if uh, you eventually want to move into something like Fraps or Camtasia, which are much better. But yeah, I've had a lot of success with it. It's a little laggy at times, but yeah, can't complain with it. Yeah, I've actually done some screen recordings with Fraps in the past. And, it, you know, Fraps is a pretty simplistic, easy program to deal with. Um, and it is kind of hard when you're when you're doing commentary live while you're on the screen. Um, there's actually a lot of stuff on YouTube of people playing video games and commenting while doing that. Uh, and, you know, having a inexpensive or a free tool that gets the job done to at least get you started to see if that's something you want to do. Cause I actually went out and bought fraps. I started doing screen casting and trying to get into it and that kind of thing and realized, you know, I'm, I'm really not that interested in it. So I decided to move on to something else. Yeah. Well, but yeah, it's handy. It's a good tool and you should check it out. All right, another neat tool that I ran across with SDI adapters made by a company called black magic. Now this black magic is a, video production equipment manufacturer and they make uh, equipment for TV studios and high quality live mixing and distribution uh, hardware. So the SDI converter box is sort of the backbone of the transmission path. Is that like how you have for lighting is done for DMX. The SDI allows you to send video and audio signals over a coaxial cable, which is a really, really inexpensive cable. And you can send it up to about 300 meters. Wow. So if you have, you know, this huge wiring from, you know, you have 
cameras down at stage, you can route all that video signal back to a central location, do all your mixing there, and then send it back out to projectors so everybody in the venue will be able to see what the heck is going on and you can do multiple reverse angles and all that other stuff, which is really cool. The best part about the SDI converters is that they're about $300 an end. So at one end is $300 to convert it onto SDI, and then it's $300 to convert it out of SDI into whatever your signal. So depending on what you're doing, it can get kind of expensive, but the quality and the and the digital communication, so there's no weird video noise or analog or that analog sort of noise when you come across uh, videos or when you cross over uh, power cables and that kind of stuff, that's gone. It's just, it either works or it doesn't, which is really awesome. And you can, they even have distribution boxes that you can basically clone the SDI output as much as you want because it's digital, it just goes out and, do, and does it. Um, and there's a lot of video mixers now that use SDI as their interface and they are, and it's really becoming the industry standard of video you know, mixers. So instead of using an RCA or a HDMI cable, it's all going to SDI just because it's so easy to send it long distance and it's such a simple cable to use. Well, cool. So if you are going to get into any sort of uh, video switching and live video stuff, this sounds like it would be really handy uh, con at conventions or other places where you're going to be recording for multiple cameras or just anything in general would be handy. When you really start looking into doing live video mixing, the cost suddenly balloons out of control because you you look out there for just a simple video mixer, something that allows you to, to basically fade from one bus to another, so one video source to another. Those start around about $2,000. And you know a lot of the nice, really high quality, big feature set are around $5,000, which is outside of the budget of any individual person. What I ran across also from Blackmagic is the ATEM Video Studio, so A-T-E-M, and they have a software-controlled uh, video mixer box. So it's a little box that just has inputs and outputs, and it communicates with your computer over network. And that's only $1,000. I mean, it's like 960 or something. So it's much more in the realm of a consumer price point. I mean, you could buy TVs for $1,000, essentially. Yeah. So, and that's the interesting thing about a lot of these standards is that they're coming down so low in price that the interface itself becomes the most expensive part of the device. The ATEM television studio does allow you to hook in a controller board, like Blackmagic does sell a controller board that does interface with it, but that controller board, which mirrors what you can do on your computer it costs five thousand dollars and that's a cheap controller board i mean they're more expensive like high quality studio whole shebang that is fifteen thousand dollars but that is like 16 inputs and outputs you basically have a small tv studio in front of yeah, you you don't need that much for just you know recording a uh, a, a show in the park or, you know, recording some audio, you know, recording a, a live show. Or... Well, a lot of it for live video mixing is all about on the on-premises, on-air 
as the event is going on video distribution. So you're already talking about one or two projectors, you're talking about lights, you're talking about sound, you're talking about all these other things. So having something that costs about $1,000 for the mixer and you can run it off your computer, you suddenly have this device that you're able to hook into a $600 projector with your laptop. So for about $3,000, you can do a one screen solution for video. And then you can just hook in whatever cameras you want and a little bit of pre-planning. And for not a whole lot of money, a lot less than what a full TV studio has, you can do TV studio quality mixing and you know switching and all that other stuff. So the second part of that is making sure that you're able to do sound. And sound while you're able to do it in the in the video itself it's usually generally a good idea to cut to break that out of the of the system and mix that yourself sometimes mm-hmm. um well even with like the minecraft uh videos i actually had to go with i have a completely different computer recording in audacity to capture the sound of off of my mic as opposed to trying to run it through the same program that's capturing the game information that seems to work much better yeah, and when you have a live, and when we do the live podcast recording, we do need a mixer of some sort and allow us to capture the signal and then mix it back together. And when you do, I think we did some radio plays in the past. When we did that live, we needed to make sure we were able to mix out the audio. Uh-huh. Um, so a lot of people who start getting into this, they, they can start with a very inexpensive mixer board. Mixing boards for sound have come down in price substantially you can get about a you can get a two channel mixing board from Mackie for about a hundred bucks it's their 402-VLZ3 and that starts off with two mono sources and then that VLZ3 series can go all the way up to 32 channels which you would need for like a large band with drums and guitar and all that other stuff to allow you to do that for you know larger venues so you can slowly build through the the VLZ3 series and you can kind of pick the mixer size that you need. And it's a, it's a pretty st- a quality standard mixer. And it, when you get up to those 32, you know, you have large, when you finally build yourself up to that large venue, you have a, you have a mixing solution for sound that makes sense to you. And you can bring in all these different video, uh, uh, all these different audio sources and really bring together a really nice um, signal to send out to your, to your sound system. Huh. Very cool. Well, there's a lot of uh, examples in media of kind of looking behind the curtain at what goes into produce a show. Oftentimes they're, you know, funny. And, you know, sometimes that shows up on actual television shows like uh, Stargate had a reoccurring campy sci-fi series called Wormhole Extreme that, you know, you got to see behind the scenes there and they kind of you know, was a humorous send-up of the show. Other shows... Um, market research shows that the X... Makes it more impressive. Yes. And then there's a lot of other, you know, shows about shows. You know, a lot of uh, Shakespeare in Love, for example. The, the, drama, the drama is set in the backdrop of there's a show going on. Or even the classic uh, Phantom of the Opera 
is, you know, kind of the behind the scenes. So a more recent example of this is News Radio. It was a, a comedy set behind the scenes of a news radio station. The humor came from the inter-office squabbles, politics, and conflicting personalities. Dave Foley from uh, Kids in the Hall fame, if you haven't seen any Kids in the Hall, I would definitely advise it, is one of the lead actors on the show, and his humor just shows through the whole thing. But it's a lot of fun. You can find it on app. Uh, you can get it on Amazon on demand for about two bucks an episode. And yeah, uh, also there's lots of clips of it on YouTube because they are very funny. So yeah, go check it out. It's kind of the office, but at behind the scenes of a radio station. Mm-hmm. Then of course there's everyone's favorite classic, The Muppet Show. Yay. It's time to play the music. No, 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 you can't say it's that because it's a Disney product and they'll oh. totally shut us down. It's The Muppet Show. Unfortunately, it's only available through Netflix DVD rentals right now. You really can't uh, buy it digitally or watch it streaming. Uh, so, um, at least not legally. Uh, this uh, Jim Henson comedy show about a variety theater... Uh, was on the air for many years. Uh, all the characters that you know, Kermit, Miss Piggy, Fozzie Bear, Wald- Sandler and Waldorf, I mean, it's got it all. But the fun part about it was that there was an ongoing meta plot behind every episode where there was the variety show, but there was also all the back scene stuff, uh, behind the scene stuff, you know, getting the lighting, getting the props, making sure everybody hit their marks on stage. And as the show developed, you started adding cameras and whatnot, including into the more recent Muppet movie. A lot of the drama is not what happens on the stage. Well, that's fun, but it's also kind of that craziness of running a show behind the stage. It was a big part of my childhood of watching the Muppet show. And it was definitely, if you haven't seen it or you have kids who haven't seen it it's kind of like sesame street you have to watch the muppet show you really have to watch the muppet show and they they get away with some some interesting stuff in there innuendo wise yeah it's definitely a show one of those shows where it's for kids but mm-hmm. adults can enjoy it too mm-hmm. and it has and it actually has some very interesting actors that you might notice i one of them i remember sandra bullock pierce brosnan oh my gosh pierce brosnan's show muppet show episode was absolutely brilliant with crayfish terrorists if the rules on playing stud poker you're supposed to take these out of the deck oh my gosh yeah yes. it's it's a wonderful show don't you think you're being a little shellfish i am a little shellfish wait a minute crayfish don't make puns get them boys yeah, uh, so, so much fun. Yeah, and it's really comedy gold. I mean, there's so many hilarious things in The Muppet Show. There's a lot of tropes, and there's actually a lot of memes that revolve around The Muppets. So mm. you are oh, missing yeah, out on a huge part of American culture if you miss it. And, you know, there's a lot of... One of the great things about it is they brought in a lot of outside talent and outside actors. So they they would come in 
And, you know, so you could actually discover a lot of really good talent and a lot of really interesting people to follow in their films and TV careers just by watching The Muppet Show. Uh, another great film career to follow is Mel Brooks. <laughs> one of the comedy legends who created things like the History of the World Part One and Robin Hood Men in Tights. But the really interesting... Spaceballs. Yes, and and one of the the stories that he seems to really like is the is a story called The Producers. The story idea he has made into two movies and a Broadway play. Repeatedly Broadway play. Yeah, the story itself is about producers trying to make a really terrible play for some very specific reasons, and it's a really satirical look at how plays in the theater operate and how those are produced and it's a horrendously funny story now the original uh the original the producers was a movie created in 1968 and that was actually mel brooks first feature film which i was really surprised by um Mm -hmm. so that sort of launched his production career and he went on to make other projects and do different things, history of the world, and all that other stuff. Well, Bill Brooks came out of the musical and Broadway tradition. I mean, that's where a lot of his, you know, that's where he cut his teeth, uh, writing scripts, acting, all of that. And it shows in a lot of his movies, they are very theatrical in nature. And The Producers is a send-up of all that is crazy and weird about Broadway and theater in general, and oh, is it so much fun. Yeah, so in 2001, he came back uh, to this story, and he created the Broadway play of The Producers. Now, what's interesting about the Broadway play is that that's actually one of the most successful plays ever. It's it's in the top Mm -hmm. 30 of the longest-running plays with about 2,500 shows, and they won about 12 Tonys which is the theater, you know, the Emmys or the Oscars for the theaters. Mm-hmm. In 2005, Mel Brooks came back to the story for a third time and reproduced the movie version of The Producers. This movie had a bigger budget and better actors and it had a lot more in the, or had a lot more musical moments. They kind of had that long history of the successful Broadway play to draw from. And it was a much tighter story and it was a much better film. You can see both of the films on Netflix. Just look for the producers and make sure you get the 2005 as opposed to the 1968 version. Mm-hmm. Well, even the 68 version is quite good regardless. It's a little dated, granted, but you know it is still very funny. Either one would be worth your time to watch. And on that note, we are nearing the end of this episode of the Neat Stuff Podcast. You can check out all of our past episodes at neatstuffpodcast.com. So if you have any crazy stories from the theater, put those in an email and send it to us at neatstuffpodcast at gmail.com. We'd love to hear from you. Anyway, so that's it for this week. Hope to see you all again or have you all hear us again. I hope to see you again, Devin. Yes, I hope to be here again next time. (laughs) So from the Neat Stuff crew, my name is Devin. And this is Tyson. Have a great week, guys. And we'll see you next week. Bye.
Stuff podcast is brought to you by Orwell's Ethereal Lighting. Quality lighting fixtures for any dimension. You won't find a larger selection of 5th and 7th dimensional lighting anywhere. Perfect for all your lighting needs from extreme feng shui to banishing extra dimensional evil. Use offer code tickets to Avalon for expedited shipping to not where you want to go, but where you need to be. I want to be a producer. I want to be a producer. Producer.